Hey, Ian. <laughs> so for anyone who didn't know, uh, I had actually said, hey, Shay. And then he was like, ooh, Ian, I need you to do this audio thing so that we don't ruin the episode. And uh, then I did it for him. And then he said, hey, Ian, uh, thus stealing my thunder. Hi, Shay. Hey, Hi. man. Uh, so I know you came in here hot with a cold open ready, but guess what? I'm stealing it from you. It's my <laughs> cold open now. Welcome to my house. This is Shay's house. Just kidding. I have nothing prepared. Ian, what do you got for me today? Here's my question. Shay, in the spirit of, I don't know, maybe something lighter. Uh, mm, I was okay. thinking about um, condoms and I was thinking about birth control and I was okay. thinking about how I never want to have children. And I looked up this <laughs> little fun fact about them. And uh, I thought that if anybody uh, would not know the answer to this question, it would be you. So you're perfect for it. Um, All right, what do you Shay, got? According to a psychological study, how many questions does the average child ask a day? <laughs> that is such a misleading setup for that question. Um, you're welcome. How many questions does a child ask a day? The answer would make a, a, a very effective birth control slash condom billboard. Um, just putting that, if that helps. I'm going to say 400. You're, you're really close. Apparently it's 500 annoying as fuck questions a day. <laughs> wow. Emphasis mine. <laughs> Emphasis yours. Well, that sounds amazing, Ian. Uh, I'm so excited for all of your childlike questions today. So without any further ado, <laughs> let's go ahead and start the show. Everyone and welcome to Camp Re-Education, an immersive boot camp into the world we thought we knew. We are your hosts, Ian and Shay, ending our two-week immersion into the world of QAnon. And welcome back to part two of QAnon Camp. It has been two weeks and Shay and I have begun our dive into what might be the murkiest uh, psychological phenomenon to come at you since the obsession with the Harry Potter movies. Um, Shay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a parallel now. <laughs> Deal with it. Uh, Shay, how have you been doing since uh, we last spoke? You know, like a lot of our camps, around this time, I'm just numb to it all. You know, I, I, I hardly care anymore. I feel like the world is just a darker, darker place every time we do one of these. But you know what? There's a light at the end of the tunnel. After this episode, all I have to do is like 20 hours of editing and then we're done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, what's so funny is like, I think before we started this show, even um, I, I was really excited to kind of check my preconceptions and, and biases. And uh, I really, I want to go back. I want to go back to the time <laughs> where I didn't, where I was just like, I'm right. And yeah. I didn't have to, I didn't have to do any research to the contrary. I was just like, I feel pretty right, therefore, I am. It was a simpler and much nicer time back then, but here we are, we're standing at the precipice of knowledge, we're looking over the edge, and it's terrifying, but we're jumping. So here we are mid free fall talking about, <laughs> <laughs> talking about QAnon today, and we have an amazing expert for you today. We have Jake Hanrahan, who is the host and I, I guess lead producer for the Q Clearance podcast. We had an incredible interview with him. I think it was, it was about an hour long and it was, uh, 
I don't know, just a constant stream of incredible information and ideas. So you have some real fun stuff to look forward to. Also, random, random fun fact about that. Jake is uh, he lives in the UK and Shay and I had to wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning. And uh, because my wife was sleeping, I I, I literally had to throw together a pillow fort from which to record (laughs) at like 530 in the morning with with Shay just texting me nonstop like, where are you? Hey, buddy, are you ready? Hey, but this is uh, the voice I read your text in. So how fun for you to learn this. That's so great. Yeah, I woke up a little earlier than you even because I thought you said you were waking up at 4.30. So I woke up at 4.45. I never said that. (laughs) I feel like you did. And, uh, you know, just to one up you in every way I can, not only uh, did my girlfriend suffer more than your wife, (laughs) my girlfriend uh, was in the same room as I was in. Unfortunately, I have nowhere else to go in this apartment. So uh, so she had to listen to the entire episode starting at six in the morning. But regardless, it was all (laughs) worth it. Uh, Jake Hanrahan, he is a a journalist who's worked for Vice and HBO. He's a war reporter uh, and his podcast, Q Clearance podcast is all about QAnon. If you want every detail about the history of QAnon, definitely go check it out. It's 100% worth it. And also our big smart boy questions last week led us down this path of uh, whether or not QAnon could be considered a cult. So we we, we did some uh, research into that We and we're excited to talk about that. Um, but we also promised too, uh, you know, the first time that we did this, we got a little ahead of ourselves and we realized that, uh, you know, a lot of people might be in the same boat as us, where it's like mm. you, you feel like you have a relatively comprehensive understanding of what Q is. And I mean, uh, uh, historically, you might not be wrong, but you might not know all of the details. So uh, we actually, Pastine and Shay, actually did something right for once, for once. And, and they yeah, did their goodness. homework and they've got a little tree here in store for you. So without a further ado, here is to uh, a, a soundtrack of sorts, uh, a, a, the brief history of QAnon uh, as presented by Pastian and Pache. On October 28th, 2017, the first of what will come to be known as Q drops appear on 4chan by an anonymous user claiming to have Q clearance, which is a high level military access authorization. This initial post was a reply on a thread about the storm, a reference to a cryptic and confusing comment made by Trump at a press conference in which he said, quote, maybe it's the calm before the storm. When pressed by what he meant, he smiled back and said, quote, could be. The 4chan poster interpreted this to be a counter coup against members of the deep state orchestrated by President Trump himself. These types of posts, in which an individual claimed to have classified information, were nothing new to 4chan message boards, and many existing users have made similar claims with similar usernames, such as CIA Anon, FBI Anon, etc., in what has been referred to as political LARPing or live-action role-playing. The QAnon community left 4chan for a similar message board called 8chan, soon after it became hostile to QAnon. Q claimed the 4chan message boards were infiltrated and a message board called CBTS, short for Calm Before the Storm, was set up on 8chan by Paul Ferber, who many believe began to post as Q. After seeing Q's influence on his website, it is believed that 8chan owner Jim Watkins took over the Q account and began posting as Q himself. Some believe that Jim Watkins continues to post as Q. The storming of the Capitol building on January 6th has been interpreted in many different ways by the QAnon adherents. Some believe this to be a false flag operation by Antifa. Some have since begun to express doubt about Q's legitimacy, while others have only redoubled their conviction and believe the Capitol storming was part of Q's master plan and a catalyst that will usher in the persecution of their enemies, martial law, and the dawning of a new political era.
think I've heard Pastine and Shea uh, sound that confident before. That, that was very impressive to hear. Truly impressive. They've they've learned a lot. We've taught them so much over the years now. So uh, yeah, kudos to them. And I love that they've adopted fully this NPR, this American <laughs> Life, Reply All style. Um, and you might hear more of it, you know, if you uh, subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> you know, you can just give us give us money any way you want. It doesn't have to be Patreon. We both have a Venmo, and we both have PayPal. So. You know, or mail us a, mail us a couple bucks. We also have a PO box. For hell's sake! For heaven's for fuck's sake! sake. I don't think that's on the sake. website. I would love to throw that up there. Please don't send us anthrax. Yours truly, Ian. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> I think it's worth stating, and it can't be uh, uh, overstated enough that all of this started when our fucking Big Mac president and his fucking dying seventy-eight-year-old uh, TV brain just <laughs> like re-fucking regurgitated some shit he probably saw in some fucking eighties movie that for some reason like the dying neuron in his brain made the connection and like military people this movie ah calm before the storm and then the New York Times was like what does it mean oh, Mr. Trump Mr. Trump what does it mean and he's like could be could be that's exactly calm before the storm you'll see. And, and that turned into all of this. Just terrified one person on fucking 8chan or someone on 8chan was just, you know, leaning into it, like doing the LARPing like you're talking about, playing political CIA man, you know, his, his own John Wick, or I have no idea if John Wick's in CIA or whatever, but, you know, like th that, that kind of uh, hero of your own story mentality, just yeah. you know, role-playing that. And, th and here we have, just by chance, that enough people believed it that, you know, here we are now with this massive conspiracy of people who literally just stormed the Capitol. And, I, I, you know, it's, it's remarkable that here we are halfway through QAnon camp. And on the day that we release our first episode, a group of many people who believed in Q stormed the fucking Capitol building. Like, that is remarkable. Like, talk about horrible timing for them. Great timing for us. Listen oh to more God. camp re-education. <laughs> and it's... Interesting because like as we've seen like the level of mental gymnastics um, in, in in trying to explain what actually went wrong uh, to going as far as like blaming fucking Antifa like I was literally there was a, a friend of mine from high school who on her Facebook feed was like live reporting um, Antifa's like Antifa's uh, breach the gates Antifa's pretending to be us don't fall for this false flag Antifa and I was like you're you gotta be fucking joking. On the eight coon boards where we've been spending the past two weeks, there was uh, the picture of uh, spiritual warrior Q MAGA guy, um, mm -hmm. literally uh, photoshopped very well into very a studio well. in front of a green screen, like an extremely convincing uh, photo. Um, and I think like my personal favorite was probably like the, the thread that I read that Trump was actually replaced uh, by a clone mm. and like all is lost, they've gotten their God King. Um, and there's nothing left to do now but wait to uh, drink gay hormones in the fluoride water and uh, turn into a bird. Yeah, it's been quite an interesting week on the message boards indeed. And uh, fortunately, we're done with all of that horrificness. But I don't think as a country we are. I mean, this was not the first conspiracy theory our nation has dealt with. And it's certainly not the last. I think it's just one of a series of many that have plagued our politics and the world's politics for a long time. Just because this seems like it might be on the waning days on its last leg of 
uh, of QAnon specifically doesn't mean that we are done with this type of stuff. It, it, it seems to be part of the American political system and a, and a part of the political system of many of the world's nations. So I don't think we're close to anywhere done with this. And I mean, yeah, I mean, like this, this, like you had said, is kind of endemic to the American political uh, culture. I, I mean, dating as far back as like the, the Jeffersonians and the Federalists and like the, the panic that surrounded um, the Illuminati uh, and fucking Freemasons and then that falling into like the Jesuit panic and, and uh, the uh, Catholic crisis and, and concern about them. There was a woman that uh, you could maybe like even consider to be the Q prototype who'd written this like tell all memoir about all of these uh, satanic practices that the, the Catholic church indulged in, including like um, uh including baptizing babies and then like smashing them against walls or something like that. So they could go straight to heaven, which sounds a lot like what we heard about in the QAnon conspiracy. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these are just recycled tropes. We talked about that last week, but it's true. You know, there's not a lot of creativity in the mind of, uh, the mentally feeble. Oh God. Oh my God. <laughs> That's dark and obviously an oversimplification, but you know, I don't know. Somehow, despite trying to challenge all of my uh, preconceptions, this is one that's lingering you know, with this is that it, it does feel like it's, it's at least this kind of cult like mentality is for people who are somewhat vulnerable. And I don't mean to like be insulting to that because I think that uh, I don't think I'm above it. I think that easily, uh, Ian and I could fall victim to some cults. And you might even say what? like, Ian, you actually brought up a really good point when we were talking about this a little bit earlier that, you know, mainstream culture is somewhat of a cult in itself. It's just the mainstream cult. It's the mainstream set of beliefs that we all adhere to. And sometimes when pressed, we can identify it's like, it is kind of weird that we do this. You know, yeah. you can find the weird little nuances and intricacies, idiosyncrasies that we do. And you can say that is strange, but we all just do it. So, and it's weird if you don't, and sometimes rude if you don't, sometimes it is a crucial social flaw if you don't do X, Y, or Z, but that's the cult that we live in, you know? So it's not crazy to imagine that any one of us could fall victim to something like this. At first I was going to be like, uh, speak for yourself, but um, no, yeah. And like, if we understand Q as a cult, like defined by its collective delusion or, or, or by the definition of a cult. And uh, I, I have actually pulled that up here. Um, handy dandy Wikipedia saves the day again. <laughs> if a cult is, so a cult is a social group defined by its unusual religious, spiritual, or philosophical beliefs, beliefs, or by its common interest in a particular personality, object, or goal. And I think that describes mainstream society to a T. And I mean, like there are mm. several books that approach mainstream society from like an objective or alien perspective. And, and they do an amazing job of making it sound fucking absurd and bizarre. Like even you could say like belief in like a capitalistic system could be a sort of cult when sure. like a, a system built on exploiting finite resources to the extent that the earth is no longer habitable. Like that's an insane idea, but we're like, well, there's no alternative. What else are we going to do? Sure. So, um, it's it's weird. It just so happens that like it's just a system of beliefs, and the uh, mainstream you know set of uh, beliefs happens to be the one that like the most people believe in. And and I think the big difference between a, a cult and uh, a, a mainstream culture, not to keep fucking using the word mainstream, is that like a cult seems to be uh, come to actively. Like whereas for mainstream society, it's more a set of inherited beliefs that you kind of come to believe passively. All right, Ian, you bring up some incredible points, but we have a lot more cult talk <laughs> ahead of us. But before we get to that, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. I'm pretty sure our lights are about to turn off and we got to pay those bills. Just kidding. We're a very successful podcast. Here's our sponsor. I want to teach my kids about the dangers of the liberal globalist cabal, but I don't want to scare them so badly that Child Protective Services takes them away from me. 
What do I do? Well, fret no more. Breitbart has the solution. Introducing Breitbart Kidspiracy, the first conservative, totally immersive, digital education freedom adventure. Follow the adventures of Little Pat the American Patriot as he teaches our children to spot the differences between the various Donald Trump clones. Uh-oh, that's not my president! He'll also teach us how to connect the dots, from Joseph Stalin to the gay Bugs Bunny moon landing to the fake Chinese dinosaur bones planted to trick us into intersectional Jewish atheism. And also how to count. One femme eco-terrorist Hillary Clinton Dracula? Two femme eco-terrorist Hillary Clinton Dracula? <laughs> well done, Susie. You're almost ready for your mandatory Desert Eagle training in sunny Jacksonville, Florida. Now available at Walmart. <laughs> Damn sponsor. Okay. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> but, uh, I like that. That was fun for me. I don't know about you and I'm not really interested. Uh, so anyway, uh, like we mentioned earlier, we had the great pleasure and, and good fortune of speaking with uh, Mr. Jake Hanrahan. And, uh, and we're going to get into that. Uh, we're going to get into that in a minute. But um, before we do, last week, we had kind of talked about, uh, you know, Shay, it was funny because Shay and I were banging our heads against the wall trying to figure out like just what it is about QAnoners or cures or I mean, Shay, help me out here. Is there like a name that they go by? Dude, I've been actually like thinking about this a lot and I've heard like different people say different things. Uh, I've just like I've heard them just QAnons, QAnoners. I don't know. I don't really care. I just yeah. Q, Q adherence. I think we, I mean, even in like our in our notes here, we have them written like a hundred different ways. But whatever. I think they're all, you know, whatever. It's English. It evolves. Fair point. Uh, but I think for time's sake, I'm just going to call them QRs. So anyway, per last week, you know, we were kind of banging our head against the wall trying to find, uh, just put our finger on the best way to describe this. And we actually had a fan of the show reach out to us, uh, a, a fine gentleman by the name of Jared. Uh, so shout out to you, man. Um, who wanted to let us know that like, yeah, dude, the word you guys are thinking of is cognitive dissonance. And it's funny because mm -hmm. like we both know that word and like we right. both used it in detail. And um it's true that like it doesn't seem to matter what you say or or any like the points that you bring up to these people in terms of like here's why this is fucking ridiculous like here's why this is a ludicrous idea like here's why what you're saying is absurd and they just seem to kind of dig their heels in and we actually watched a documentary about cults and why it's so hard to leave them and i think like one of the most one of the interesting lines from that was this idea of like the the more the deeper into this that you go the harder it gets to admit that you were wrong Mm -hmm. um, and like, that's another part of the dissonance. It's just this idea that like, well, if I back out now, I, I've got, there's so much I've got to back out in. There's so many other beliefs that I would have to re-examine that at this point, it's easier to just go ahead and say, no, this is the simplest explanation. Right. We talked about this in K-pop camp and I don't remember the context, but the term that we were talking about is effort justification. Um, and just to quote Wikipedia again. Effort justification is a person's tendency to attribute a value to an outcome, which they had to put effort into achieving greater than the objective value of the outcome. So basically, the more energy you put into something, the more you're going to value it. So like if you start believing in one idea, if you start a suit, like buying into this very complicated and uh, idiosyncratic world 
of Q and QAnon, you're going to believe that it has more value because of how much work you had to do to get there. And this, yeah, like you, like you mentioned, the idea of cognitive dissonance, we do mention it all the time, I feel like. I mean, I feel like that's basically the idea of our podcast is yeah. navigating cognitive dissonance in different, in different ways. And maybe that's one reason it was, it's like we're missing the forest for the trees. We're just like talking about all of these different things. But, but really, this is probably our most cognitive dissonance-based camp we've had so far. And it's funny because like the term comes from Fessinger, who's a fucking uh, psychologist like I absolutely love. And like, I remember reading a bunch of his stuff in college. Um, but he wrote this book that I stumbled upon while uh, we were doing the research for QAnon camp called When Prophecies Fail. And um, him and a couple other psychologists and sociologists actually followed this, this cult that believed that like the end of the world was coming. They were convinced that on this date, UFOs were going to come and like... Uh, destroy the earth and they would be sent by God. And uh, they like hung out with them on this hill on the day that it was supposed to happen. And then nothing did. And uh, after he followed them around and, and kind of continued his research and interviewed them and asked them questions, he came up with this term that he called like disconfirmed expectancy, which is like a psychological term for what is commonly known as failed prophecy. And what happens when you get to this point, like the individual must either discard the now disconfirmed belief or justify why it has not actually been disconfirmed. And as uh, past Ian and past Shay mentioned in the like uh, QAnon history, as we saw on 8QN over this past couple of days, like uh, people have been doing just that. There have been plenty of people kind of like tossing aside these ideas and being like, this is fucking dumb. I can't believe he fell for this. What a fucking grift. And then other people just like doubling down to like the extent that uh, I mentioned earlier with uh, the guy looking at like comparing side by side pictures of Trump from 2017 and, and 2020 and being like, guys, I think this is a suitor. I'm pretty sure this is a clone. Yeah. And it's crazy because there's so many different predictions that QAnon has to try and reconcile that that failed predictions that never came through. Like there's a, there's a there's a huge list of them on Wikipedia. There's like 13 of here, like the most notable probably that Hillary Clinton was about to be arrested um, after attempting to flee the country. And that was like QAnon's first uh, post was basically saying that no Hillary Clinton's uh, going to be arrested tomorrow and somehow from that from that first failed prediction we find this whole entire world of subsequent false or failed predictions to come and each time if you buy into the next prediction and it doesn't come true you you have they have this fork in the road it's cognitive dissonance that you have to overcome and there's so many of them now it's it's crazy so the people who i think are still in QAnon are by by definition they have to be the most extreme because they have to be the ones who have consistently overcome real world happenings and events and data to keep this fantasy world alive. So they, they, be, they, they're basically it's a self selection of extremist, of extremist mindsets. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, cause that's, that's, that's what we saw. And, and it's just, it's, it's hard to kind of come to terms with this because like, it's, it's one thing when you're so removed from it that like, you can just kind of easily make fun of it and like laugh it off as a joke. But I, I don't think there's like that many people that make fun of QAnon that actually spend time on these forums that actually right. read what these people are writing that actually like watch these people try to reason and reconcile with their beliefs and just dig themselves deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's a really fucking disconcerting experience. It is, but I don't think you need to. I don't, I don't think like the average person needs to dig into the details to understand that it's bullshit. 
You know, I, I think you honestly, like, if you, if you, I, and I know that that might sound dismissive to, to maybe, I guess, QAnon truthers or whatever. They're just like, you're not even listening to my ideas. You're just dismissing them. Well, a lot of them are batshit fucking crazy. And I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of batshit craziness in the world. I don't personally need to dive into the nitty gritty, the details of every single wild claim that's ever made to understand that it's probably not true. And I think the same is true for QAnon. It's really funny that you mentioned that, too, because, I mean, like one of the ways to help counter this is is to engage, you know, supposedly engage these types of people in conversation. But it just seems like I don't I don't have the time. It just right. seems like such a fucking waste of time. It's, it's just and not only that, but like also like a drag. It's like, God damn, I don't want to hear about fucking space aliens and lizard people and, mm. and like pedophile rings. Because like I, no matter what you say, it, it, it's not it's not enough. It's not good enough. It's It's almost like. You know that all the work that you put into trying to reason with these people is just going to be met with more and more fantastical claims. And you know what? I think now is the perfect time to start hearing from Jake because we talked to him about Q and and how Q has been so successful in this cult-like framework. And he basically talks about the ability for anyone to imbue whatever characteristics they want to see onto Q exactly because of Q's nature as this shadowy, like amorphous figure. You can project, like you said, you can project any idea onto Q of like a Q is is different for a lot of people, like you said, because there's no face to him and there's no particular personality. He stands allegedly for one thing, but the gaps have to be filled in by the people believing in it, right? So we, we live in a time now where th there can be no great leaders anymore because we can find out too much about their personal lives, right? There might be a great leader and I think people think great leader means morally good. It doesn't, you know, it actually doesn't. It's just like, are they good at leading? You know, Hitler was a fucking cunt, but he was good at leading. <laughs> you know what I mean? He led the worst thing ever, but he led it well because he was charismatic and he could do this and that. So like now we almost know too much about the leaders before they get to there because it, there could be someone that could be an ex-great leader, but then you might find out that he was racist in his personal life. So before that happens, we can say, hey, fuck, look what he did. We can all watch him now with Q. I mean, that's good. Obviously, I, I'm saying, I, you know, I despise that kind of that kind of idea. I don't want any racist to be leaders. But what I'm saying is like any leader, whatever ideology is, we, we can find out too much about them before they can get to the point where they can do the leading. You know, now with Q, it's it, there is nothing to find out, right? It's a blank canvas. You can't really find out what they're doing and find faults. I mean, the whole thing is a fault. But if you believe in it, they, he can be anything. If you're a racist, you can be like, I think Q's probably racist. You know what I mean? If you're if you're not a racist, you can be like, he's not racist, you know, because there is nothing to base it on other than what you think, really. I, th I think he makes a good, a great point here. Um, and like, in like this era of fallibility, um, and, and like, look at uh, Trump's impressive in the sense that like he withstood a lot of criticism. I mean, there was so much wrong with him, but like the more that people discovered, like the more entrenched they came, they they, they uh, arrived at this belief that he was like a good person, or it didn't matter if he was fallible. Uh, he was he was still uh, going to like bring about this new world order that they wanted to see. But that's kind of what's so fucking brilliant about Q. And, and like why I think or, or or something in part that he was allowed 
or what played a role in his being able to take off is that like he is this this fucking uh, phantasm that you could just anything you want him to be, you can project that onto him. Well, you know, it's so funny you mentioned that about Trump because a lot of people there. I mean, there's so many articles that are that even say Trumpism is a cult like Trump is his own cult leader. And it's true. I mean, he he can do. I mean, he said it himself. He could shoot a fucking man in Fifth Avenue. I mean, that's old fucking news now. I'm bringing up like ancient history as far as like Trump criticism is concerned. But it's so it's it still rings so remarkably true. So there's no surprise then that conservative Trump cult followers can fall victim now to this parallel Q cult that also has Trump as their their god king. Well, I mean, it was like the uh, and I don't want to call it a slippery slope, but I mean, like it was like Trumpism was the gateway drug to Qism, right? Right. And, and you know what's so funny is because it's like the conservative doctrine before Trump was the slippery slope to Trump, like this <laughs> like dog whistling racism, you know, that we've had all along, you know, like yeah. law and order type claims and, you know, whatever. You know what I'm trying Start, to say? It starts with Reaganism and like this is the this is the uh, final conclusion. So, yeah, exactly. They had it coming. And, you know, what's so fucking funny. And I love this and I feel like it never gets enough attention that Lindsey Graham like famously said, like, if this happens, then Trump is going to win and you'll deserve it. And then uh, Trump fucking wins. And then Lindsey Graham, like with his fucking tail between his legs, just becomes like the biggest Trump sycophant of all of Congress. And then now just at the very end, Trump is fucking leaving. Lindsey Graham is they're like, you know what? I've had enough of supporting you. It's like, why did you fucking support him in the first place? <laughs> did a 180 just for his presidency? And now you're like, you know what? I'm taking the moral high ground. Anyway, I don't know why I'm so upset about Lindsey Graham, but I fucking hate him. So I just yeah. wanted that to be on the record. Yeah, but I mean, like, and, and this is, uh, I think, a good argument for the idea that QAnon is a cult, right? Because it, it does have the the charismatic leader. But the, it's just interesting because it's it's like an absentee leader. I mean, literally, mm. the leader of QAnon is, is essentially the fucking letter of an alphabet. Um, it's, it's like a fucking, you know, like, I, I swear to God, it's like a Sesame Street character that everyone's just like lined up behind. But it's like, imagine if like a Sesame Street character was uh, a racist, paranoid, fucking uh, anti-Semitic. Well, and you know what's crazy is he is. And, you know, I don't think we talked about this a lot. And for a while when we were doing this research, I didn't actually care about who was actually making the Q drops. But learning that, that most likely, or at least according to the research that we've found and understood so far it's probably jim watkins the guy who fucking owns eight cunt which mm. is like weird that he has the power he's base he's effectively this silent figure in a cult who can't expose himself because if he does then he invalidates everything that he has created as q and i mean the same is true for paul ferber who like first was writing as him at least on eight chan but you it's it's weird that you have this person who has this these anti-Semitic, globalist fearing, and you know, whether or not globalism is bad, you know, is a different argument. Um, I, I feel like the, both the left and the right have their critiques on that. But so many other isms that we tend to hate as progressive liberals that we're just like, fuck this guy, you know, like this guy sucks and he's the leader of this fucking cult. It's such a it's such a Twilight Zone episode, like this idea that like you can have all the power in the world, but no one can know it's you. It's like the sexiest thing that, you know, like you can essentially be the head of this cult of personality, but you actually can't be the center of this cult of personality. Right. So it's just like imagine 
uh, there, there's almost a sense of pleasure I get in knowing that like this person like has all of this adulation, but can also never receive it. Right. right. So it's like, it's almost like, it's just like, it's just out of reach, right? Like he can look at it, but he can never touch it. And I think that's, that's very poetic and deserving. It, it's the fucking like, cretin that made this. Yeah. It's, you almost feel a little sad for him. You're like, oh, poor guy. Like, look at all this work you did. You can't <laughs> even like, get credit for it. Second. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's sad. And then you're like, wait a minute. No, it's no, not. Fuck you. Fuck that guy. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting because he's been at least, and, and maybe you you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure since the Capitol building was stormed, Q has been pretty silent. They have they haven't been a lot of Q drops or any Q drops since then, which leads you to question like, what is the future? What is the f- <laughs> fuck you? Actually, I love that. What is the future? What is the future? Fine, we'll leave it in. <laughs> what, what is the what is the future of Q? Like, where are we gonna go from here? Like, does Q have a future? And we asked, we asked Jake. We're like, Jake, what do you think? The story, if you like, the plot of the QAnon movie is kind of coming to its final chapter, right? Trump's obviously, he's on his way out. There is going to be no storm. None of what they said is going to happen is going to happen. That's clear. But now we're seeing a warping of the movement. So, for example, they all said on January 6th, there's going to be a big event. They said that Trump would basically overthrow the Electoral College or whatever it was. He would send in troops. He said that, you know, they said that he would arrest all these Democrats and he's going to take his place at the helm and expose all the voting fraud. Now, none of that happened, obviously. However, the storming of the Capitol building happened, right? So they just say, well, see, we told you. Like, no, you didn't say that was going to happen. You said something completely different was happening, but they said something big was coming. But, you know, I've used this, used this analogy before, but it's like saying on January 6th, I predict my house will burn down. And then in the morning on January 6th, putting fucking petrol everywhere and lighting it, you know? It's like, you can't you can't say that's a prediction because you did it yourself. So them saying, oh, we told you something big was gonna happen and then they will go and storm it. It's like, well, you guys said that Trump was gonna do it. So the fact that their predictions are, are not coming true, I think we'll see more of them kind of making them happen themselves. And they're so blinded by their, their ideology that it has become faith. And it's almost like Hugh is in their heart as Jesus is in the heart of Christians or whatever, you know? It's like, well, we're doing this thing, but we're doing it because Q wants us to do it. And certainly a lot of the, you know, the Q drops, the messages could be interpreted like that because Q says, you are the news now. You are the digital army. Well, maybe they say, okay, we are the news. We'll make the news by doing this. With the digital army, let's become the physical army of Q. So you hear at the beginning of that clip, at least, he touches on the future of Q and the story is coming to an end. And you can hear, obviously, his concern there is like, well, if all of these are a self-fulfilling prophecy, there's the potential that the Q extremists, so to speak, can just continue with making a huge claim and um, mobilizing a ton of internet trolls and proud boys and whatever to causing real world, real world violence. They'll say like maybe on inauguration day, there's going to be a big thing. And then next thing we know, 5,000 proud boys come in there with their ARs and fucking shoot up the place. Like we don't fucking know. Like the self-fulfilling prophecy aspect is weird and it makes the future uncertain. I've, I've been thinking so much about 
QAnon for the past couple weeks. I mean, like a lot more, maybe even more than people actually like involved mm. in, in QAnon, arguably. Um, and the thing that strikes me so much about QAnon, that's there's there's almost something, there is something incredibly philosophical about QAnon. Um, and there is something I, I feel like almost uh, I, I romantic in the way that they view the world, where it, it, it it's like you invent your own reality, and then you bring that reality to fruition and like find truth within that world. And, and there's something very like Cartesian about that. And, and it's like we, if it wasn't QAnon, it would almost be beautiful. But because it's QAnon, it's like just the weirdest, most perverse mode of thought. And it's it, it, it's literally the the uh, the fucking thought process of a child. It, it's like you know, oh, if I if I cry, uh, my mom comes in the room to check on me. Um, so now I know that that's a reality. Um, so it's like, does does QAnon have a future? I, I think that there are a lot of mechanisms in place that the machinery might obtain a different purpose. But I think the machinery isn't going anywhere. If anything, it's going to get updated later on. Like right right now, if like QAnon is the fucking rotting whale carcass that's fucking sinking to the bottom of the ocean and like the the, the cures of the fucking remora fish that are detaching and like looking for another vessel. Um, I, I think that has a future. I think that ideology is going to find another fucking thing to attach itself to. It's like we said a moment ago. Q is just an iteration of an American trope of different conspiracies. You know, we've we've had it. It comes back. It's just what flavor of conspiracy do we have this week? And this is the expression, the conspiracy. This is conspiracy expressed through Q. All we have, like, we know that this is the big one right now. It's not will there be a next one is what will that look like? It's, you know, what is Q.0? You know, which is a hilarious pun on Q and 2.0 for those who, you know, aren't as clever and quick as me. <laughs> for those who, who can't put two and two together. No, no, who can't put two and Q together. <laughs> uh, certainly. Um, so there's, there's something else that, uh, that I want to talk about as well. And um, if, the, if the question is, does Q have a future? The, the answer is yes, but it's just going to be the same amorphous body, but it's going to have a different face and, and a different direction. Um, you know, just like there were other iterations of like, you know, CIA and on and, and FBI and on. This is related to a conversation we were having previously about this idea of, um, you know, like, uh, like I think Biden's uh, tweet following this is like, this is, this is not who we are. And um, I think we disagree on this somewhat, but, uh, you know, I understand the sentiment. The sentiment is to like, you know, like embrace our, our best values and, and sides as, as Americans. But I think as long as we try to turn a blind eye to this, like we're never going to, the problem is never going to go away. Like we're never going to like look at these, I guess, like uglier parts of American politics and, and go, well, how do we fix this? So, I mean, like one of the big questions is like, how do you prevent another Q? Like Q is, it's not going anywhere. Like it's just going to resurface years later or, you know, whatever as something else, maybe even as something more potentially, potentially more dangerous. So like, Aside from addressing the material conditions that like lead to this stuff, I, I, I mean, what, what is there to do? Because do you have any theories about like uh, something that we talked about when we were looking at the cult stuff is, is like the people that um, are most likely to join a cult are the ones that are like most vulnerable. So, I mean, what does that vulnerability look like to you? 
You know, I joked about it earlier and, and it's, it, you know, it's, I was saying people with weak minds, which um, I don't think is totally unfair if maybe it's a little rude, but um, I, I, and I think that could also mean, you know, people who are in transitionary periods in their life. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm above this. Like, again, like I think I'm just as, I think I have been and could be just as vulnerable to this kind of thinking in the future. But I, I think vulnerability could be like, fuck, you just, you had a, a massive heartbreak. Um, someone close to your family just died. You lost your dream job, you know, and you're, you're looking for community. And in a time now where we're more disconnected than we've ever been before, where we find community increasingly online, there's no surprise that an online cult has brought so many people in. So I don't know. I think the vulnerable, the vulnerable be can be a lot of us and it, and it is often all of us just in different times. Mm. I, I get that. Who do you think it is? It's weird because I think back, uh, I, I, I think back to something that uh, we mentioned during our conversation with Jake, this idea of like the, the, the hyper-capitalistic society. And um, I think about like what this does to human potential. And I specifically think about like how much technology has moved beyond uh, our, our, our parents' generation and like le left a lot of people, I think, behind. Um, I, you know what it made me think about too is it made me think about that book, Bullshit Jobs. And it made me think about like what happens to people when work becomes like rote and meaningless and alienating. And, that, and, and that's like, this idea that without like positive construction, constructive direction and like the potential for self-actualization, like all this human potential takes on a negative direction. And I'm thinking specifically of like the fucking MAGA spirit warrior guy who literally, I think the, uh, he was interviewed by, I think someone we're friends with on Instagram. Um, and they were like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm here for spiritual warfare. And it's this idea that like, when you remove any facet of like of meaning from like your working life, especially in a country that attaches so much uh, uh, so much of their identity to like what they do for work. Um, and then when you fucking when most of the uh, labor available to us is pretty fucking like rote and, and emotionally and psychologically deadening, I think like this is kind of what happens. And I, I think that as we see like the gig economy grow and we see more and more like managerial jobs come out and just more like busy work uh handed out to us like I, I i don't know like i think that this ideology is is only gonna become more attractive to people first of all i agree with you like i think you're absolutely right and but i wonder like is is the QAnon shaman dude like is that guy was he really like about to be like a totally normal dude and then just like got lonely <laughs> like probably not like what what about him made him, drew him to like this weird kind of shit. And like, I don't know, we both have friends who are like, we would consider like a little off the deep end. Like we've had them on, on our show. You know, I'm thinking of like Brandon and microdosing camp who was like, you know, lo I lovingly call him my like most hippie friend. And like, you know, I mean, we get into it all the time. Like, I'm like, you are way too yeah. out there. And he's like, no, you're just not open-minded at all. You know, and, and you know, so we, we have this push back and forth. But I mean, I don't know, my, my friend Brandon probably would have been the QAnon shaman dude, like in, down to a T like would have been wearing the horns like if he had like um if he had that outfit he would be there and I, i'm sure like his beliefs like if he had read the right articles or the right got involved with the right people he would fucking be there so the, i don't i don't totally know you know i i do think that there's things that can make people more vulnerable but i'm also thinking like there's there's something else that i'm not catching right now well, I'm I'm also thinking of the and you know it's funny because like he's the one that said it and I think I think that's what they were all there I, maybe not the maybe not the Trumpers but I mean the the cures for sure like I think that's what they were there for they they were there with the conviction that they were fighting a battle of good versus evil and maybe maybe you're right maybe a lot of it is like a poverty of imagination which ironically becomes 
almost ultra fantastical, right? Because it's like, you know, I, am I, do I not, do I lack the imagination to think that there's this fucking, um, uh, like uh, underground network of, uh, you, you know, like uh, Illuminati wearing hoods and drinking the blood of the innocent? Um, no, I feel like you could probably imagine it super easily. And then you, 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 re, you recognize that it's just imaginary. I think that's the difference is you yeah. real, after you construct it mentally, you are able to afterwards deconstruct it again. Yeah, but it's just it, it, it's I don't know. It's it's weird. I, I, I think about like a headline I read recently of something about like now one third of Americans are, are, are now in poverty. And, and, and I think that like maybe maybe QAnon, we keep thinking about it as like, oh, it's going to be another fucking crazy thing. Maybe it won't. Maybe the lessons QAnon learns is like, oh, okay, well, like, w this was where we uh, lost most clout with these fucking crazy ideas. And like, maybe the next one will be more about like, all right, um, this sounds more sane. Now that there's more people who are potentially vulnerable, like, um, you know, all right, there's no more, there's no more pedophiles. Now it's just, uh, I, I don't know, like um, the, the Israel lobby or something like that. Like, uh, who knows? Well, you know what? I think that might be true for the next cult, but probably not for the next conspiracy theory, because uh, like you mentioned, it's decentralized. There's not a, there's not a committee that's yeah. deciding like, how do we market ourselves most effectively to Gen Z? You know, this is just a, fr <laughs> a fringe decentralized movement of people who honestly believe it. And I don't think they're thinking about how to sell most people, I mean, except for like with the exception of the YouTubers and the social media people who are trying to also capitalize and profit off of the movement. I don't think many other people were thinking about marketing these ideas. Um, all that being said, uh, you know, Jake had some really amazing other commentary when it comes to when it came to the ideas of preventing Q moving forward and how that 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 idea wrestles with this idea of free speech and a lot of cures and especially people who are big fans of these message boards champion free speech and sometimes hide behind it as a shield for hate speech and for other really terrible things so we asked jake especially as a journalist how do you how do you wrestle the idea of like preventing conspiracies like q with the ideas and virtues of free speech and here's what he had to say I'm very, very, very big on free speech. I, I am very anti-censorship, but I don't believe that either of those concepts are black and white. And I don't believe in like absolutions within either of those because, you know, there's a line. If, if say, for example, a load of fucking Nazis come out in the street and start saying, hey, we should kill Jews. You should go and kill them. That's not free speech. That's an instruction to murder, you know, like that is not speech. That's when a speech is action, telling someone to action it, that's that's not fucking speech anymore. That's not your, your opinion to have your opinion. The same when we had in England for a while, we had all these fucking jihadists on the streets openly supporting ISIS and saying it was good that the soldiers are dead uh, and or the civilians are dead and whatever and saying like, hey, other people should go and join and kill them. And you know, and our, our free speech laws are very strange. They kind of often work against people that are doing research on stuff and then somehow work in the favor of jihadists. But like, you know, I, I made an argument then thinking like, well, they shouldn't be allowed to do this because they're instructing people. You know, they're not just saying you should, you know, they're instructing people. And I don't think that's speech anymore. I think that it's, it's a part of action. 
You know, you can't just say, oh, well, because he said it and it was words, it's speech. It, it's not It's not quite like that, you know. Like I said, it's not black and white like that. Speech can become a part of action. You know, no one walks out with a gun and shoots up the place being deaf and dumb and blind. No, they get the information from somewhere and decide to do it based on that. So I think that the speech is, it's not a black and white concept and therefore a straight line can't be ruled. You know, this is something that I talk about every once in a while to people, and I don't think that it's a popular opinion in some way that like words are actions. I, I don't think a lot of people consider that to be true. Like if there's like, hey, I'm just, you know, it's just what I'm saying, or like it's it's a defense that's used by a lot of people. It's like, um, you know, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, that's fucking bullshit. Like you're you're a strange dad from 25 years saying like you will always be a disappointment to me, like, that will fucking hurt I'd rather me. Has at least, I'd rather he just hit me at that point. Yeah, <laughs> hit me with a stick or a stone, dad, yeah. please. You know? <laughs> like, at, at that point. And, like, and conversely, the same is true. Like, that same father could say, like, uh, I am so sorry. Um, you, you were completely right. I love you. Like, those words can be profoundly meaningful and impactful. So to say that they have no, they, they, they aren't actions, like, and I mean, even to, to borrow off of like Dawkins idea of memetics, like, you know, an idea as a virus. And if ideas are physical aspects of your brain, introducing an idea to someone is literally changing the neurophysiology of your brain. So it becomes physical. If you understand it, it became physical in your brain. And then from there, that memetic idea as a virus, you know, to keep up with the metaphor that he uses, then becomes an action. Like if, if I can convince you to become a Nazi, then you've basically become an active, you know, in terms of action, you become like an active um, operator on in terms of Nazism. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? That's a, a a really great explanation, but like in terms of like a concrete action, like as a response, like what do you suggest? What do you mean? Well, I mean, like um, if you think that, you know, words are so you're agreeing with Jake, basically, you're saying words are actions, correct? Words, words can be actions. Words can be actions. OK, so I mean, yes. I, I think in terms of the question of like, so the action that uh, I guess like the case or the actions that have been taken in terms of like we're talking about trying to stop QAnon, like right? what can we do to prevent this in the future? Right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like the the proposed action is censorship. So, like, or would you agree with that action or because like to what extent too, right? Because like Jake kind of d did and didn't answer the question, right? Well, you know, you're I mean, you're right. It is a fucking hard question. And uh, Jake goes on. He, I mean, he actually had a, we had so much to say about this. So we'll just let you hear what he had to say specifically about censoring Q and if that makes sense. we should probably go on what has actually helped. And censoring it has done nothing. Like, if anything, it's helped it grow and it's been harder to track. I found this similar thing when I was trying to track um, neo-Nazis. I did some investigative work about um, a, a terrorist neo-Nazi network in your country, man. And and like about, about two years ago, and you know, I was doing some deep, deep work on this with two, two, three of my colleagues and it, you know, and we spent weeks and well, we spent two years doing it. And then all of a sudden, when, once uh, articles started coming out, a load of other journalists jumped on the bandwagon and because they're 
frankly shit at their jobs. They they just went, oh, what's the easiest thing we can do? Oh, okay, we found some on Twitter. Let's write an article about how we, uh, um, you know, we get them all banned off Twitter. Oh, I'm done. That's my bit for society. I'm done. And then what happened was it became very, very hard for us to track them. Then they went to Gap, which is like a, an alleged free speech platform. But then the journalist got um, got them kicked off of Gab, and then it, and then they went underground into networks that that basically we missed a lot of information because it became harder to track them. So he's essentially saying that, like, in ironically, censorship, uh, banning them, kicking them off these platforms uh, is is worse in the long run because then you don't know what they're what they're talking about, what they're planning. Like, it's it's harder to kind of keep track of what's going on. And I think this question becomes especially poignant as fuck as Donald Trump becomes, I think, officially the first president to be kicked off of a social media platform, which is fucking crazy. That is fucking crazy. I mean, he talks about this. I mean, uh, so he specifically mentions censoring people on on Twitter, as you know, in terms of free speech. Let, let's let you hear what he has to say about that. Should we leave it up to Twitter and Facebook and Instagram to decide who is and on the platform? No, <laughs> like it's crazy that we're even kind of. Everyone is having this discussion of should Twitter do this? Like, how about should the government put more into fucking education to stop this stuff happening? But obviously, that's a lot harder. It's very easy to just tell Twitter to do it. Yeah, and with with Trump being fucking banned, like it's it's an incredibly interesting question now. And I think like the, all that all that's gonna happen. My, my fear, and I don't know, my fear is that this will just create a deeper divide where now the Trumpers of the world, uh, including Trump himself, just go to Parler and other like conservative social media networks, leaving like what was before like the everyone networks to now be considered leftist, shifting the Overton window. And now we have the left social media and the right social media, like fortifying echo chambers to the, the point where you have to sign up to your echo chamber. It's funny. It's funny that you say that because I mean, earlier we talked about um, there was a lot of of chatter uh, on you know social media and across some news networks about like whether or not what happened at the Capitol building was a coup. And um, I think we're both of the same persuasion that like what happened wasn't a coup. It was a, it was a fucking riot. It was a, a I, right. I wouldn't call it a protest. I would call it like a clusterfuck. Um, <laughs> it was both. But like. You know what could potentially be funny too is like maybe the ultimate irony of QAnon is that uh, they could accidentally be one of the best things to happen in American politics because they do create an amazing argument for why we should abolish the electoral college. If we're going to end up with a system where, where the guy that wins by millions of votes has to fucking like beg to be considered the winner um, in this system where you see shit like this, like people storming the Capitol building like that in itself is, a, is an amazing argument for abolishing the Electoral College. The fact that there are all these legal loopholes to get into the White House, um, they could essentially split the Republican Party and leave room for like a multi uh, ticket platform where it's like we can now have uh, multiple more than just two candidates. We could have more political parties than just like the uh, fucking Democrats and Republicans. Uh, I think in a weird way, QAnon has kind of set the stage for that to potentially happen. Yeah, and I, I guess like the interesting question is like if we can't, if, if censorship isn't on the table or if we're not entirely sure how to deal with this this conspiracy theory virus that exists within American politics and politics globally, like what do you do? 
And I, 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 the only answer that makes any sense to me is to continue reaching out to people who might fall victim to this, these types of political conspiracy theories, political cults, more importantly, and uh, and really truly like reaching out to other people. And uh, when we talked to Jake about this, I mean, he seemed to make the point pretty clear: like now is the time. You're right. Right now they're off guard. What happened at Capitol Hill, at Capitol, at the Capitol building was bonkers. And it's like a lot of people that were like kind of seething and, and hungry for blood, having a very small taste of it, very quickly realized that they didn't actually want that. Now, it, it doesn't take I it doesn't take a long time for that to go away. And this is a weird comparison, but kind of every time I come back from reporting on war, particularly when it's quite harsh, I'm like, I'm never going back. I'm never going back. And then within a week or two, I start thinking, eh, you know, and then before you know it, I'm back. It's that period. You're hitting that. They're in the low right now. They're in the, oh, shit, I shouldn't go back. Now is the time to talk to them because soon, like you said, they're going to latch on to something else. Very quickly, the memories of the woman that was shot in her neck will fade and, you know. Already, Q is now, uh, this is poetic almost. So I just, I just want to say this before we go. The woman, uh, I think her name is Ashley Babbitt. She was a full-on QAnon believer and she went to the Capitol building like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do what, do what I meant to do, kind of what Q told me to. She was killed and now already it took like two days, but Q's are saying that she wasn't actually killed. She was a false flag. How poetic that she is now. She's, she's a part of the conspiracy she died for, but they don't like her and they think that she's false flag. Like how, you, you're right, you couldn't get more like harshly and grimly poetic than that. So this thing is fucking horrible actually. You know, it's quite horrible. So yeah, now is the time for people to just say like, right, reconnect with your family, man. No matter what, you know? And I think this goes back to what we talked about earlier as well. I think, I think um, as we've seen on some of these message boards, I, I, I think a lot of these people are reeling. And I think if there's any hope of pulling them back from the brink to like reality, like now is the time to do it. But um, I also think that in an attempt to do that, you got to be prepared for uh, these people to lash out because I mean, just like we discussed, um, it's that cognitive dissonance all over again. It's that idea that like to admit that you're wrong about this thing means you're going to have to re-examine any number of things that you might else you might also be wrong about. So, I mean, like there's a lot of work ahead, not just for the people, uh, reaching out, but for the people leaving. Fuck man. It's, it's heavy. It's dark shit. Like it's, it's one thing when you just think of when you compartmentalize these people to like crazy people on like the dark web who just um, share conspiracy theories and racial slurs and you, you pity them almost. I mean, you do. I mean, I don't know. It's hard not to, frankly. Um, it requires a lot of empathy to, to be able to truly put yourself in, in their shoes. Um, and but e even if you can't uh, like a woman died for a cause that she truly believed in. And then the the same cause that she died for turns around and says, "You're not you're not one of us. You you yeah. are one of them all along." And I mean, God, I mean, Jake's totally fucking right. That is that is some insane dramatic irony. Like the 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 turn of that. I mean, that's soul crushing. Like you, I mean, certainly she would not have gone to D.C. had she understood what was about to happen. You know, like her role in, in the rest of history was going to be the one that got shot at the Capitol, you know, like, and the only one, you know, it's like, fuck, yeah. that is sad. 
so I, I think maybe we'll, we'll we'll leave this part of the um, the episode here and hear from a uh, probably very tone deaf commercial right about now. It's Kool Aid. For the family's annual 4th of July barbecue. For storming a government building with hundreds of your new best friends. For those long summer days of hunting down the lizard people that run the deep state pedophile rings. For all this and more, ride the red wave and drink the Kool-Aid. Oh yeah! Surf's up, libtards. Wow, that was inappropriate. All right, anyway, now it's time for How Brain, How Feel. How Brain, How Feel. everyone and welcome to How Brain, How Feel, our favorite end of camp recap to see if and how our minds have changed or if we've just become more convinced of our initial preconceptions. Shay, thoughts? Thank you, Ian. It's me, Shay. Uh, so a lot has happened in these past two weeks. Uh, we have had some highs, we've had some lows, we've had some laughs, and we've had some cries. Uh, it's also been a crazy week politically. From where we started, from our ignorance in a bottle just a little over two weeks ago, God, I'd have to say my idea of QAnon could not be more... It could be way more different. Actually, it's way more similar to, to it's it's pretty close to what I thought it was going to be. Like, I didn't I don't think I wanted all these details, but I have them here now. I thought QAnon was a political threat. I remember you asked me this when at the at the beginning or I remember you asked me this in Ignorance in a Bottle. And yeah, I think the incident at the Capitol building proves it. And I, and I know that was a big question for you. Like you you asked, like, are they dangerous? Like, how do you feel now? That's a great question. Um, I think they're a symptom of a disease. I think that they're dangerous in the, in, in the sense that like uh, a scab when it gets infected can, can lead to like gangrene or something like that. But um, y- you know, like I- I- if you're getting the scab because like every day at three o'clock, someone comes in and, and uh, scrapes your knee against the ground. I think the, the thing you need to address is uh, is the guy who's doing that. That's a weird analogy. Mm-hmm. I could have gone with something a little more, a little less confusing. Um, but you know, it's, it's just like, yeah, like uh, if, if there's, you got to address the gangrene before you can address the the fucking man coming in and scraping your knee against <laughs> the concrete. Um, so they're dangerous in that sense, but I don't know if that's necessarily where our energy needs to be focused. You also, when, in your ignorance in a bottle, I remember you talking about who the average QAnon supporter, and I know we talked about that a little bit last week. I'm just curious if you had any more thoughts on that. You know, it's it's interesting. It's like QAnon, I feel like kind of is is kind of the uh, an open door policy conspiracy. Maybe they're all like that. I don't know. Um, but it, it, the brilliance of Q's anonymity is that, like, you can kind of attach uh, any belief system to it. And I think that appeals to people of all uh, ages and, and, and backgrounds. Right. Um, the one, you know, the, the thread that uh, I think I overlooked when I was focused on, like, how, you know, the, the, the average age, uh, I think I overlooked demographics. And, like, most of the people uh, that we saw storm the capital i think most cures have a tendency to be pretty fucking white mm. so uh, i know that there are people who uh i know there are like you know people of color uh involved in in q but they're uh, probably a relatively extreme minority is evident of like the hostility that you see and like the slurs you've seen thrown around on fucking uh on eight coon so it's like you, you need to uh have uh, i don't know thick skin and um, uh, like a, a willingness to overlook pretty repulsive attitudes towards you, right. um, to, you know, buy into this. But I guess if you believe that the government is full of, uh, satanic pedophiles, you're, you're probably willing to overlook these things. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's also like a selection bias 
in who is likely to be QAnon because you're probably most likely to be conservative, which I mean, uh, I think demographically are more white anyway. So, uh, you know, it's like a sub-selection of that group of people. But um, one thing I'm really curious to ask you actually, Ian, is we talked about in Ignorance in a Bottle, what the darkest thing you expected to see was. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously we're talking about a pretty dark subject. I know we've already talked about some super dark things this episode. Were your expectations fulfilled? Um, you know, man, honestly, I, I, I did think and I did expect it to be um, a lot of the pedophile stuff. And, and that was disturbing, man. Just just the the literal unbridled conviction of some of these people that like, you know, the Clintons are, I mean, you know, yeah, sure, they're awful people. But I mean, just the certainty of the fact that they're like... Um, They've got a sex dungeon somewhere uh, within the corridors of the White House. But honestly, I think I think it was the fucking darkest thing, the the, the most disturbing thing to read on all of these forums was just like open pleas for for fascism, mm. like actually seeing like a, a group of people calling for um, a military coup, coup and like the execution of their en enemies is like you know the only logical way forward with uh and the new dawn of government being one in which like i i, I don't know uh, you get the sense it's just they just want like a racially pure america and i'm sure there's plenty of people that would like push back on that and you know point to like the one black guy at, at the at all of their fucking QAnon rallies but um i mean if you just if you look at the language and like you look at what they're asking for dude it's just they just want nazi 2.0 and um so i mean it's 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 scary to think about how many people end up there because they're they feel alienated or like kind of detached and, and and like they don't really see a place for themselves in like mainstream culture society or, or po politics and they find themselves there and they might not buy into some of these political beliefs initially but uh, like you either over time through being exposed to it buy into it or it's just you don't want to maybe lose this newfound sense of community. So you just kind of go along with it and, uh, you know, like you end up supporting it or, or like emboldening it. Well, to touch on that briefly, I think a lot of people find themselves in that position. I, I think as we become more and more polarized, fewer and fewer of us actually hear out ideas that don't agree with our current worldview. I unfortunately have or maybe fortunately, it's probably fortunate for me, honestly. Uh, I have family members who are dogmatically, diametrically opposed from my my beliefs. And we have it out all the fucking time. And uh, in some ways, I'm, I'm grateful for it. I mean, um, my family and I actually talk more probably because we... We, we, I guess, love arguing and we get into these arguments all the time. Sometimes it's incredibly infuriating and stress-inducing and kind of devastating at times but i think it's good for me to see actually to see this other side and maybe this dark side sometimes i mean it helps me understand my own ideas more and on and frankly i think it helps me challenge my own understanding of things because i do have to defend them against people who don't already share those ideas and i, I do think that's a good practice at least in um reaffirming my own beliefs and I think I think that's a, that's a, a good point. And I also think it's important too. You know, we uh, polarization is a word that gets thrown around a lot, and I think it gets thrown around too easily. And I think we, I don't know, need to find new language to replace. In the sense of like, there's a difference between ideas and like actual political factions and groups within the United States that have agendas. And there is no like left organizational equivalent 
to QAnon, like, uh, like uh, what is the most left idea we have in the country right now? Universal basic income and, uh, and, um, universal health care and on the right it's it's literally fucking like i don't know sending jewish people back to israel and, and fucking executing your your political enemies so it's like yeah of course there's going to be polarization there like there this like one end of the spectrum that is like um I, I, I don't know left left of center in most other countries around the world and the other one is basically like yeah we'd like some fascism please i agree with you Almost entirely, uh, but I, I will say that there are pro- but? but yeah, here comes the but. There are people. <laughs> there are people, um, on, and I, I think we kind of we dismiss them easily, so it's it's harder for us to see it. But there, I mean, there are absolutely people on the left who are like, yeah, kill Donald Trump, kill Mitch McConnell, kill you know the Republican Party. But is is that like a, 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 a and again like an organized political body or or, or are those disembodied voices in in the fucking blogosphere or the webosphere? I. I I don't know that much. I haven't done a uh, deep far leftist camp, but I am. Um, I, they're, yeah. they're certainly not as popular a hundred percent. You're absolutely right. But I, I don't think they don't exist, but I do agree with what you're saying. The overall point you're trying to make is trying to, trying to say like, well, we can be bad too. Isn't necessarily fair because if, if fascism is the problem, then, you know, you could be like, okay, well, what's the anti-fascism literally, you know? And then you're like, okay, yeah, literally it's anti-fascism. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, well, that must be a problem too then. But it's like, well, okay, yeah. is that, is that a fair statement? It's like, well, not necessarily like, oh, you know, my leg hurts doctor. I don't give a shit about my, you know, my left leg hurts. Like, don't look at my right arm, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. um, well, it's, it's interesting too, because I, and again, like I'm talking about like visible organizations, right? Like, like Black Lives Matter was essentially, what they, you know, as active politically as human honors over this like past couple years and what were they asking for like you know defund the police like divert money from fucking police budgets to invest in um in social programs yeah uh so it's just like uh, i don't know maybe 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 the right looks as that at maybe the right sees that and interprets that as like a fucking coded message, but there is no coded message that the right is delivering like it's it's literally like death to our enemies military coup yeah no i mean you're you're right about that. And the, the, especially the parallel, like BLM definitely seems to be the enemy of QAnon. At least that's, yeah. and you know, to, to, to members of my family, they see, they see Antifa and BLM uh, effectively as interchangeable and as the enemy of the Proud Boys and QAnon, which, I mean, the, I think probably all parties that I just mentioned would probably view the other side as enemies. But regardless, I mean, I guess the question then is, who is justified in pushing their agenda and and one side seems like their agenda is incredibly oppressive towards the other and the interesting thing about saying it in the, in those terms is both sides might agree they'll say like yes you are oppressing me you know and that that's where this this weird dynamic polarized dogmatism is really dangerous but Ian, I know we've uh, we're, we're coming to the end of this episode. I, it's been a crazy journey. I, I don't think this we really went to the place we intended to go, or I think we ended up. I, I feel like the listeners can just tell from the tone of our voice, like this is a different episode for us. It's a different kind of episode, you know. Like it's funny, like especially in this moment for me, thinking like going into this naively, saying like we're a comedy podcast. You know, comedy education podcast. Uh, let's do our comedy podcast on QAnon. It's like that feels really fucking hard. I mean, I feel like even in our last episode, um, you know, we we we're having a good time with it, but like, man, some of the like, it's hard to joke about some of the shit that we the, the, like the the ideas that are being thrown around. They're so dark. Yeah, and I think we tried. And yeah. uh, for, for the average <laughs> listener, I think there was a lot more censorship than uh, we usually have because I was yeah. like. 
you know, in the moment, in the heat of the moment, this joke seemed good. Now that I'm listening to it again, I'm like, uh, no, even as a joke, this is a fucked up idea. You know, yeah. And just for some behind the scenes trivia, there was a lot we took out because we're like, no, this <laughs> this joke should not ever be heard by anyone else. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Uh, well I mean, I guess, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that we can kind of uh, pack this up and, uh, you know, kick it, kick it down the road and uh, let it fall into a sewer and, <laughs> and, I don't know, make its way to the ocean where it will drift away and never be seen or heard from again. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, well put. <laughs> so yeah, I guess uh, that's that's going to do it for uh, on Camp. Stay tuned next week where Shay and I dive into the world of uh, political cosmology to real cosmology. And uh, we'll be coming with you with those sweet, hot astrological facts. Shay, anything to add before we go? What Ian is saying is we're going to do astrology for our next camp. So I'm pretty sure I was very clear about that. You're talking what, about, what about what I said wasn't clear? I, I think you need to look up the definition of cosmology and then we can continue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, everyone, I think Ian's right. So just to play us out on what, what has been such an incredibly emotional episode, it turns out for us, here's a little lighter note with one song that we have just been playing nonstop. It's really fucking good. Um, here it is in its entirety. Here is Emily Rose with Holy Father. Holy Father, may your heavenly form wash over me. I need guidance. My obsession always gets the best of me. And my body don't come home on time. And I cut my hair so I can't hide I confront my dying wish tonight Cause I'm trying so hard to make you mine To make you be my lover So you can take me home and let me meet your mother You got powers Controlling
Thank you all so much for listening and a special thanks to our amazing guest, Jake Hanrahan. To hear this week's interview in its entirety, please become a monthly supporter and join our Patreon where you'll get access to this interview and tons of other fun goodies. Here at Camp, we love supporting music and the people who make it. If you want your music featured on Camp Re-Education, then please go to our website to learn more. We hope you enjoyed this camp as much as we did. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and everywhere else. And stay tuned for next camp where we dive into the world of astrology. Okay, Shay, are you ready? I'm going to guess your astrological sign Ooh, now. Oh, it sounds fun. Let's do it. All right, you're the, you're the manatee. <laughs> not this time. Uh, the roadrunner. Mm, not quite. Tom and Jerry. Mm, nope, not me. Potatoes. She must be thinking of someone else. <laughs>